Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Welcome to all of you who are uh, tuned in online, joining us remotely. We're glad that you're here and glad for those of you who are in the room. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have used for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We do believe that uh, the Lord is present with us, that when we gather together to worship him, uh, that he is in our midst, that he meets us here. And it's a good thing. Because I don't know about you, but I, I need <laughs> to connect with the God who made me and, uh, and to be reminded of his love for us today. So let's bow our heads and let's pray as we begin. God, we are so grateful to you for all of your good gifts. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. God, you know sometimes we need to, to tell ourselves that, to remind ourselves, to, to praise you, to thank you. Sometimes we need to pause and to reflect and to remember that we have so much to be thankful for. In the midst of all the other frustrations and the things that we don't like about how life is going right now, those things that cause us anxiety and stress and sometimes fear, uh, those things, God, like so many of us, God, we're just tired of this long, long season, uh, this long coronavirus season that we've been living through. God, sometimes in the middle of it, uh, we need you to prompt us, to, to remind us that we have so much still to be thankful for. We could each of us, God, come up with hundreds, thousands of reasons to give you thanks, to give you praise. Thank you, God. Thank you for life. Thank you for energy. Thank you for rest when we need it. Thank you for the freedom to worship you today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your strength. Thank you, God. Thank you that in those moments where we are uh, feeling overwhelmed, by all of it you are still with us you are patient you are compassionate you are slow to anger bounding in love and faithfulness thank you God thank you for your faithful love that is here with us today God I pray you'd help us to be able to experience that and to be able to connect with you truly Uh, that we would be able to connect with you in the life that we live. We're not escaping God in order to try to connect with you. We are bringing all of it to you today. God, we pray that you would help us to connect with you, not just for ourselves, but God, we pray that, that you'd help us to connect with you so that we can be a different kind of people, so that we can walk through the struggles of this life with a different kind of confidence and a different kind of peace, with a different kind of strength that makes a, a difference that is visible to the people around us, that causes people to pause and to, and to look and to ask, what, what's going on here? How are you not giving in to the frustration? How are you not feeding the flames of, of the antagonism and of ugliness that takes place in all the heated conversations? How is it that you are walking through this with this peace, with this confidence? And God, when that happens, You are going to give us the right words to say, to point people towards you, to let them know that, well, I'm I'm just, I know I'm loved by God and he's going to see me through. I have confidence in God that he's going to get us through this mess that we're in. I don't have confidence in myself or in some, uh, whoever might happen to get elected this November. My confidence is in God and the victory he's already won in his son, Jesus Christ. God, in in Jesus, you have shown us that you love us. Would you help us today to just be transformed by this love? 
that the love you've shown us in Jesus can always be in front of us, always at the forefront of our minds, guiding us through. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence here among us today. We pray all this confident in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, take a second and look. find somebody across the room that you haven't seen in a while. Just give them a quick wave. Give them a, give them a hello or a something. Um, those of you online, peace to you as well. You can type something into the chat. Let us know that you're with us. Um, thank you for leading us this morning. Um, Joe, Crystal, Amanda, we are so grateful. And uh, you can go ahead and have a seat uh, once you've done that. Um, and uh, I do have a couple of just brief announcements, things I want to mention. Uh, We just discovered something new. That makes noise when you pull it out of there. Okay, great. We're always experimenting, trying new things. Joe's trying some new things this morning musically, and uh, we're continuing to try new things as a church uh, as we're making our way through this season. Uh, One of those I'll mention in just a moment. But first, uh, I did want to make sure that you all know, um, we would love to know that you're connecting with us. We've got a a link, I think, livinghope.info slash connect. Yeah, that takes you to this little connect card that uh, you can uh, fill out. Let us know you're worshiping with us. Let us know how we can pray for you. Uh, Let us know what's going on. Uh, Just so that you know we don't stay disconnected uh, it's really easy for us to get disconnected at this time and uh, we don't want to do that we don't want to let that happen so connect with us let us know how we can pray for you or what's good what good is going on in your life these days and um, also if you want to give uh, you can continue to do that online livinghope.info slash give takes you right there and you can give with your credit or debit card or link it to your checking account or you can text to give I think too anyway lots of different ways to give or you can mail a check or drop something in the box or whatever um, and then uh, to view the services online each week, you know, there's, you can, some of you watch on YouTube, some of you watch on Facebook, some of you are watching on the church online platform, uh, livinghope.info slash live. Uh, at any of those places, you can catch us most Sundays live at 9, or then the service continues to be there later. And I know some of you right now, you're like, yes, I'm watching later, I'm watching Tuesday, you know, or whatever. Um, that's great. You know, we're glad to have the opportunity to connect with folks uh, no matter when or where you are. Uh, next Sunday, though, is going to be a little different. We will not have a service live at 9. We won't have a service here at all. Next Sunday is our 20th anniversary, and uh, we surveyed you guys over the last week or so, trying to find out, do we have enough people to go ahead and do the extra work to do an outdoor service? And we are. So we're going to do an outdoor service at the YMCA Pavilion next Sunday, uh, September 20th. Uh, If you're watching this after that, sorry, you missed it. Uh, But for those of you who are with us this week, uh, on Sunday, September 20th, we hope you'll join us at the YMCA Pavilion at 1030. We're going to do it a little later because some of the folks that aren't showing up with us right now on Sundays, it's not that they, you know, are still needing to avoid uh, being around people. It's that 9 o'clock is kind of early. And uh, so we're going to do it at 1030 to hopefully connect with some of those folks and so that afterwards we can have a light lunch and it won't feel weird eating a hot dog after the service. All right? Uh, It'd feel kind of weird having a hot dog at 10 a.m. for me anyway I don't know about you but uh, so next Sunday and if you haven't already let us know that you're joining us please do Um, you can uh, you can do that through the website I think you can uh, you could just call us here at the church at 462-1245 and leave us a message and say yeah I'm gonna be there Sunday Uh, you can text me Um, I guess I didn't have my cell phone up there but uh, 242-4532 is my cell phone all right everybody's got my cell phone number 219-242-4532 someone's texting me now I think anyway uh, (laughs) 
my phone is buzzing in my pocket. Uh, just let us know you're coming so that we can make sure uh, that we have enough hot dogs and everything. Now, the way it's set up there at the YMCA, uh, the pavilion, they do have some picnic tables that we'll have spread out. And so if you get there, if you're one of the first ones there and you want one of those, you can sit at one of those. They'll all be six feet apart and everything. Or you can bring your own chair. You can bring like one of those little fold-out chairs like you'd bring to watch the popcorn, <laughs> popcorn fest parade that didn't happen this year or, uh, or something like that, all right? We will have some extra chairs too, just in case you need them. But uh, if you want to bring a camping chair or something, like that, a fold-out chair, you can bring that with you, and uh, some of you are going to, you'd much rather not sit under the pavilion, you'd rather sit out in the sun, and that's fine, do that, you know, that's great. Um, if you are warm-blooded, cold-blooded, warm-blooded, whichever, if you love sitting in the sun, you can do that, all right, um, or you can sit under the under the pavilion. If it rains, we're probably just going to kind of squeeze in a little bit. There, it's pretty big if you haven't been there, uh, and if you haven't been there, you might not know how to find it. You know, the YMCA is just a little further up the road, north on Kaimet, through the roundabout and everything, but the pavilion is on the far west side of it, and you, so you don't have to park in the main lot and take the long walk. There's a little parking lot right there that comes off of, I think it's Cumberland Drive, that goes up the west side there, and uh, you can turn in there, and there's a parking lot. You can park right there, walk right in. I know some of you uh, had said, I'll be there, but I don't know if I can do that walk. That's the issue, and uh, yeah, there's not a long walk if you park in the lot right there. Um, if you want your exercise, you can, you can park at the main lot and walk up. You can park down here at the church and walk all the way up if you want to. Um, we're just looking forward to being able to be with some of, the, some of you who haven't been able to be with us here in the room. And uh, to, it's outdoors. We still are going to be encouraging you to uh, not only keep your distance, but to wear a mask. Um, and uh, obviously, just like here, once you're seated and you're more than six feet apart from people, you can take that off if you want. Or you can choose to leave it on. That's fine. Some of you do. And that's a good thing, too. Um, these masks are, are one way that we say to each other, look, I'm being considered of you. I, I care about you. And if I have caught this thing in the last couple of days and I'm just not aware of it yet because I haven't shown any symptoms, I want to make sure I don't give it to you. And so I'm going to wear this mask to make sure uh, that I don't give it to you. It's not that we're trying to hide from each other or anything like that. It's just one way that we can try to love each other. So, so that's next Sunday, and uh, hopefully all of us can, can be there. We're going to try to stream it live online for those of you who can't be with us. We've not done that before outdoors remotely. I'm going to do some tests this week to see how well that might work, but we'll for sure record it. And so if you can't be with us next Sunday at 1030 uh, and it's not live, you try to watch it live and it's like stuttering or bad or just not there, uh, it will be there later that day. Okay, uh, so we'll make sure to get the service uploaded as soon as we can if for some reason the live thing doesn't work. All right. I know I've got friends that are doing services outdoors, including at the YMCA Pavilion, and they're able to make it work. I'm going to be picking his brain and trying to figure out, okay, how did you do it so we can try to make it work too? Um, so hopefully all will go smoothly next Sunday. All right, this Sunday, today, um, we are wrapping up this little series on politics. All right, so the last couple of, well, last Sunday was a, a special treat. My dad, Dwayne Schmidt, was able to come and to preach. Uh, he had a little break from being out at the church in Laporte where he's been filling in for like ever now. Uh, pray for the people at the Laporte Church of the Nazarene that God will call a pastor there so my dad can uh, come back to us. But maybe that's selfish on my part. Anyway, um, and so he got to talk to us about Daniel and discipline and what that looks like. And I know that some of you uh, have already commented and said, oh, yeah, man, some of the things that he said really have made an impact. So that's, that's a beautiful thing. I love it when we get to hear God speaking through other voices. Uh, I like hearing other people preach besides me, and so I figure you do too. Um, but today we're going to wrap up then that series on politics that I'd started before that. Uh, you know, we talked about how good, thoughtful Christians disagree 
on political things. Some of you are good and thoughtful Christians and you vote Republican and you're planning to this November. Some of you uh, are good and thoughtful Christians and you're going to be voting for a Democrat this, this November or several Democrats. You know, you're going to be voting Democratic and others of you are going to vote Libertarian or Green or for somebody else. All right. Some of you are not going to vote at all, not because you're lazy or don't care, but because your Christian faith has led you to believe, you know, I don't think I should engage in that way. I feel like even just voting is, is trying to have power over other people, and that's not the way of Jesus. And so you, you feel like your faith leads you to not vote. Um, good, thoughtful Christians disagree on these things. And I've mentioned before, I, I try to make a point of this every four years because I grew up thinking the opposite. I grew up thinking good and thoughtful Christians all obviously voted for the, you know, the right party, the party that I was voting for. Um, and I, I knew I was right. And so, of course, you know, how on earth could somebody be a Christian and vote? At, at the time, I thought, how could you be a Christian and vote for a Democrat? And, um, and since then, God has blessed me with friends who are Democrats and good and thoughtful Christians and helped me to see. And so we talked about that some a couple of weeks ago specifically. And so if that's especially uh, uh, an issue for you um, that you're still working through or you have questions about, watch that message from a couple of weeks ago and then get a hold of me and let's talk. Let's, let's, uh, let's have a conversation about it. Um, regardless... We are called to love each other uh, across political differences and other differences. We are called to love. Uh, I don't have this on your screens, but you remember what Jesus said uh, about how people would know that we're his disciples? It's, it's by the fact that we all vote for the right party, right? I think that's what he said. Uh, no, he said that the, the world will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for each other. And so we are called by Christ to love each other. No matter who we're voting for or if we're voting at all, we are called to love. Now, Jesus himself didn't fit neatly into the parties of his day, and we're going to see some of that today. Today, if there's a title of this message, it's the politics of Jesus, all right? Uh, how did Jesus, what did he mean by politics? How did he in interact with the politics of his day? Uh, who did he vote for? Obviously, he didn't vote for anybody. You didn't get to vote in, in Jesus' day. He lived in, uh, in the nation of Israel under Roman occupation, and they didn't get a say in who led them. Uh, some of them very much wanted a say. Uh, in fact, there were some of the folks in Jesus' day, and including some of his disciples, uh, who were zealots. Those are the people that thought, man, if we can just disrupt the Romans enough, slit enough Roman throats, they were violently opposed to Roman rule. And if we can finally, maybe someday, they'll, if we can do enough damage to the Romans, they will finally get out of our way and leave us alone, and we can rule ourselves once again. Others that were supporters of Herod, who was kind of the local puppet king that was set up by Rome, uh, people who collaborated with Rome, some who collected taxes for Rome, and again, one of Jesus' own disciples was a tax collector uh, for the Roman Empire. So Jesus somehow was able, he modeled this for us. Among his disciples, he had people who were on opposite extremes of the current political you know, situation of their day. Some who were saying, uh, you know what, I'm supporting Rome and I'm collecting taxes from my fellow countrymen to send off to Rome. And others who said, who, who would just as soon kill those tax collectors uh, and every Roman they could get their hands on. And Jesus calls them together uh, to live in a new kind of community. And, uh, and that's what we see in some of these uh, passages of scripture we're going to look at today. So in one case, in Mark chapter 12, and I do have this uh, on the screens for you. Uh, it says, later the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. You know, the religious leaders were constantly trying, as the story of Jesus uh, progresses, 
And by this time in the story, it's getting close to the end for Jesus. And the religious leaders did not like Jesus. Uh, he had rubbed them the wrong way over and over again. And, uh, and so they're trying to trap him. And, and here we see two different groups coming together. Uh, the, the supporters of Herod, I mentioned earlier, like these are people saying, yeah, you know, we support the, the local Roman puppet king. Uh, <laughs> even though we might not like him, we support him. And, uh, and the Pharisees, who they were, they were kind of the super spiritual types. If you have ever felt like, you know what, uh, we should just focus on God and all the political stuff will kind of work out, that's kind of the Pharisees' approach that they had. That was their, their take. They thought that if we could just get all of the people of Israel to finally obey God like we're supposed to, like he called us to, then he will finally send his Messiah. Then he will finally come and, and set us free and bring about all the good things that were promised through the prophets, and, um, and we will be free once more. And this is why the Pharisees so often were shunning people, pushing people to the margins who were dirty, rotten sinners, who were showing by their, by their lifestyles that they, they did not want to, they were not going to follow all the rules. And so the Pharisees rejected them. He said, you, you guys are keeping us from God's perfect future for us. And Jesus shows up doing something very different, going to those people on the margins, showing them love and grace and bringing them back. So anyway, we have these two different groups, Pharisees, uh, supporters of Herod, trying to trap Jesus into saying something. It's just like the reporters who try to get the politician you know, to say something that then they can turn into a headline, right? Um, they're looking for that from Jesus. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You're impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. They're buttering him up as much as they can, right? Like, we know you're not just going to tell us what we want to hear. You're going to be straight with us. You're going to tell us the truth. Now tell us. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? And I'm sure they felt like they had painted him into a corner with this one, right? I mean, you only have two options there. Either you're going to pay the taxes that Caesar demands or you're going to withhold them. Uh, and so they think, okay, we've got him now. No matter what way he answers, he's going to be in trouble, right? I mean, imagine the headline if Jesus, this leader who is going to those on the margins, now says, yes, we should all pay taxes to Caesar. Headline the next morning, right? Jesus uh, supports Caesar, right? Uh, it's going to say, Jesus is telling us we should support Caesar, this, this one who has come and, and uh, oppressed us so long. Um, Jesus is saying, you know, Jesus is on Caesar's side in this argument. But on the other hand, if he says, no, you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, well, then they're just going to go run into Caesar's goons, right? And they're going to say, hey, this, this guy is causing trouble. He's, he's supporting, uh, you know, insurrection. He's telling people they shouldn't pay their taxes to Caesar. He's, a, he's against Caesar, and he's publicly saying so. We all heard him. What's Jesus to do? Now, he could, you know, have done the politician's answer, right, and just not addressed it at all and just said, you know what? Uh, for as long as I've been leading people, I've always supported and made something up, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with the question they just asked, right? I mean, that's what politicians are really good at. They talk about what they want to talk about, not what, what you ask them. But Jesus doesn't do that. It says, Jesus saw through their hypocrisy, like, you don't care. You, this isn't, you're not being honest with me. You're just trying to trap me. He saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin, and I'll tell you. Like, show me one of these Roman coins that the, the Romans mint that we have to pay our taxes with. And somebody has one. They hand it to him. And he asked, okay, who, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Now, who's, whose image is that right there? And just like our coins today, you know, have George Washington or somebody or Abe Lincoln or somebody on them. And, and you know, e pluribus unum and, and uh, in God we trust, all these things stamped on our coins. The Roman coins of those days, as they answered, that's Caesar's image on there. 
You know, they had Caesar's image stamped on there. And there'd be a new Caesar, and he'd mint some new coins, you know, with his picture on them. And around the edges, they had words on their coins, too. You can, they found old Roman coins that say, like, Augustus Caesar, son of God, savior. These are the kinds of titles that Roman emperors uh, took upon themselves. Uh, because they would say, oh, my, my father, the previous emperor, he was divine. Or he has been elevated to divinity. And I'm the son of the divine Caesar. I'm the son of God. And he's the savior bringing peace to the world by, by Roman you know, military might right? They, they brought the big Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, by squashing all opposition. And once you've killed off all the fighting people in a, in a place, you know, like, yep, there's peace now. No one's, no one's daring to raise their head against us now. So he has the Roman coin. Whose picture? Whose image? Caesar's image. Well, then Jesus said, give Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And said his reply completely amazed them. He says, if Caesar wants to mint these coins, making himself out to be divine or whatever, sure, let him have the coins, whatever. Give God what belongs to God. And I'm sure this whole conversation, talking about images being stamped on things, was probably making them think back to the beginnings of their Bibles. I don't know if it's done this for you yet or not, but in Genesis chapter 1, it says that we human beings, male and female, are created in the image of God, that God has stamped his image upon us. And I'm guessing that the people in Jesus' audience that day who knew their scriptures would hear him saying, okay, let Caesar have the money. You belong to God. Caesar doesn't own you. You belong to God. Give yourself to God. Remember what Jesus said, the most important command of all of them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And like it, love your neighbor as, love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, look, all that you are belongs to God. You better start living like that. So that's one moment where Jesus has asked a question having to do with the politics of his day. Uh, he didn't shy away from political language, political conversation. I mean, in fact, the, the message that he went about proclaiming, Mark chapter 1, the beginning of Mark's gospel. Um, remember, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that all give us uh, versions of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and his teachings. Uh, Mark chapter 1 says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Even that was kind of political language. Uh, the good news, I think I've, I've shared this with you before. Uh, the good news, uh, it's the, the Greek word is euangelion. It's the, anyway, we get the, the idea of evangelism from that. Uh, just, we basically, basically turn that Greek word into an English word. Um, but uh, the good news, the good message that was a proclamation that Roman heralds would bring. When a new emperor was born or an emperor had had a, a child that was going to be the next emperor, they would come in proclaiming, good news, you know, the, the rule of this new emperor has begun. And Jesus comes in saying, I've got good news. You know, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't saying this like on the heels of some Roman herald. You know, like some Roman herald has come in saying, good news, emperor so-and-so has, has won the battle of whatever. You know, his rule, his kingdom is is without, without end, without competition, whatever he would say. I can just kind of imagine Jesus and his followers hearing that, and then that guy walks off, and Jesus says, I've got good news. You, know? you think that's good news? I've got good news. The kingdom of God has come near. The time has come. Repent and believe this good news. Orient your life to this announcement. Repent, turn from a life that was, had your allegiance given to someone else and give your allegiance 
to God. Give to God what belongs to God. Uh, when Jesus was brought before Pilate, uh, I forget what his title was uh, in all the different uh, hierarchies of the things, but Pilate was the one that Jesus was sent to before he was crucified. Pilate was the one that had the power to either free him or send him to be crucified. And Jesus says to him, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. He says, look, if my kingdom was like yours of this world, just a purely worldly kingdom, then my followers would never have let me be arrested. They, they would have fought to prevent this. They'd be fighting right now to set me free. But that's not the kind of kingdom I'm the king of. He says, yes, I'm king. And they've had that conversation already. If you read, this is John 18, I'm, I'm quoting from there. He says, my kingdom is, is from another place. It's, it's got a different kind of source. It's of a different type. It's a different type of kingdom. It's not the kind of kingdom that gets its power from military might that's able to overthrow and, and uh, impose its will on others. My kingdom is from the God who made us and loves us, the God who is behind everything, who is the source of all life and breath. Says my kingdom is of a, of a different type. And he, he talks about that. We'll get to that in just a moment. What does it look like to, to live? It's not imposing your will on others, but it's a a type of life that, that serves, that's willing to sacrifice oneself for the sake of others. In, uh, in Luke chapter 17, it says, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Right? If, if you're proclaiming the kingdom of God, all right, great, when's it going to happen? We're looking forward to that day. When's the kingdom of God going to come where God sets up his rule and the reign and the Romans can finally be pushed out of here and all the rest? When's it happening? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Or sometimes I should say it's within you, or it's in your midst. So the kingdom of God is already taking place. It's already, it's already doing its work right now. Living life under God's rule, under God's reign. Um, in, the, in the mystery of God's will. God decided not to send Jesus riding in on the white stallion, swinging the sword and, you know, laying waste to the Roman legions. God sends Jesus as a servant to the, to the humble, to the meek, to the needy, to the lowly. I think to let them know, look, you are loved by God. You don't have to be powerful. This is not the way God operates. You don't have to have accomplished everything. You don't have to be a success in life to connect with the God who loves you. God loves every single one of you. He loves you even though you've been pushed down, even though you've failed over and over again. God loves you and he's coming to you. Jesus in his parables, a lot of his parables had to do with the kingdom of God. Says, uh, and some of them he says the kingdom of God is like a tiny little seed. And he, he grabs like the little seed they can think of. And he says, it's like this tiny seed that when it's planted in the garden becomes this giant shrub like a tree that the birds of the air can come and make their nests in its branches. Or he says it's like a little bit of yeast that works its way through a whole batch of dough. He says the kingdom of God often starts in small little ways but it has a huge impact eventually. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's, he's demonstrating a different kind of life by his own life and by the community that he's forming, uh, by, the, by the life that he instructs them to live and models for them to live and helps them to begin to live as his disciples. He's saying, this is how 
God created us to live. This is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God, recognizing that God is in charge, that God rules, that God reigns. That's the kind of politics that Jesus does. Um, He doesn't rant against Caesar. Uh, He doesn't try to start an insurrection. Uh, But politics at its core doesn't have anything to do with, you know, who you're voting for or anything like that. Politics is just about how people organize their life together. I mean, that's where the word comes from, politics. It's how we do life together. And that's why the politics of one country are different from the politics of another country, or the politics of one small town. You know, there's like the official politics of how things work, and then there's the unofficial politics where like, well, if you really want to get anything done, you got to convince that guy because he's the one then that, uh, you know, is married to this person who then, if they are on board, then everybody's on board, and no one's, no one's going to cross them. And, you know, all those kind of politics that so many of us are sick of and don't like. Um, but it's how we do life together. And Jesus, for his disciples, is very clear about how they are supposed to do life together. In Luke chapter 22, uh, it says that his disciples began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Uh, At this point in the story, they are on their way to Jerusalem, and they're thinking like, okay, here comes, Jesus is going to set up his kingdom, and who of us is going to be great in his kingdom? Who's going to be like his top generals? And and which of us are going to be right there in the picture next to Jesus? When they're all taking the pictures, they didn't take pictures, but you know, you get the idea, right? The people that are going to be right by his side and uh, smiling big for the camera. Jesus says, I think I've got this uh, for you on your screens, I think. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, In this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. So they make a big show about the fact that I'm important and you are not. They they lord it over them. They push them around. They boss them around. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Jesus modeled for us that the life that God created us to live, the good and beautiful life that God wants for us, is not a life in which we look out for number one and we try to uh, elevate ourselves over others. And try to find ways to climb the the political or the social hierarchy so that finally we can be the ones in power and other people can serve us and do what we want them to do. He says, no, no. The life that God created us for as human beings is the the life of a servant. That's what Jesus comes and models for us. And he demonstrates that time and time again. Um, I don't have this uh, there in your notes, but... um, This is around the time where Jesus is with his disciples for that final meal that we commemorate every Sunday with the celebration of communion. And do you remember how the story goes that when when they'd gathered together that like there was nobody to wash the feet? You know, there wasn't a servant there in the house that normally in those days people washed feet because, uh, you know, you're walking around in open-toed sandals and dusty roads and there's donkeys and stuff out there who don't, you know. Anyway, it's messy and their feet get messy. Now you're in the house, you're about to eat and you don't want all, all that dragged in. And so as people came into the house, someone, a servant would go and they would wash people's feet. They'd take their sandals off and people would be washing their feet so it's, you know, a little bit cleaner, smell a little bit nicer at least. And there was nobody there washing feet and so Jesus himself gets up takes the towel and the basin and goes disciple to disciple washing their feet and says, look, I'm doing this as an example for you to follow. Just as I've washed your feet, you should wash each other's feet. Some churches, they actually have foot washing services to remind them of that. We haven't done one of those here, I don't think, Uh, but uh, we could. Um, 
But the idea is find a way to serve. That Jesus, the, the most important one in the room, says, hmm, let me take care of that. Let me serve you. The contrast, I've heard some pastors contrast it as the difference between the sword and the cross. That the sword is the, the political power over others that, that is trying to dominate and trying to, uh, trying to win the battle, right? And will win with violence. I mean, most of the time, that's how human kingdoms are established, is through violence. And uh, wanting power over others to control their behavior, to get them to do what they want to do, that's the, represented by the sword. Where the kingdom of God is represented by the cross, uh, instead of a power over, it's like a power under that transforms lives by these acts of service, by this willingness to, to even receive abuse for the sake of the one that needs God's love. Like Jesus was abused and, and eventually killed. I feel like I need to pause because I use the word abuse there and it's striking in my head thoughts of, uh, of pastors who have encouraged, especially women, but people to stay in an abusive kind of relationship and that's not what I'm talking about, all right? If you're in an abusive relationship and you are not safe or your kids are not safe, please get out of that relationship and get safe, all right? I'm not talking about that. Whew, sorry, using that word made me just uh, spark those thoughts. Um, but it, uh, this kingdom of God, this power under is this willingness to serve, to sacrifice for the sake of the person who needs God's love. In the case of like a domestic abuse situation, you need to get out so they can see just how dramatically badly they've been behaving, to see just how damaging their actions have been. And that sometimes is what finally sparks their awareness and they get that help. So, anyway, Jesus is calling us to a different kind of kingdom, to live in a different kind of kingdom, to exemplify a different kind of, of life together, a different kind of politics that isn't about winning at all costs. And you know what, they're slinging mud, so we better sling mud. And they're getting ugly, so we're gonna have to get ugly. And they're running attack ads, we're gonna run attack ads. And we are all gonna be sick, if you're not already, we're all gonna be sick of the ads by the time November comes, all right? Um, I know every year I am, all right? Every, every time an election happens. Um, you can't go to a website right now without seeing all the political ads all around. Um, and half of them just trying to get Pretending they want your opinion, but all they really want is your email address and your donation, all right? So if it's like, what do you think of President Trump or what do you think of Joe Biden? Click here. Just don't even bother, all right? If you click there, I've done this for a few of them just to see. And it's just they, they ask a bunch of loaded questions, and at the end, they want your email address so they can put you on their list or your number so they can text you, and then they want you to donate, all right? If you have an opinion about them, don't share it through those. That's, that's, just, that's just a way for them to raise some money, all right? We're all going to be sick of that stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to November, whenever it is, that they're finally able to declare a winner just because it'll be passed. And we won't have to worry about it anymore. Whoever wins, I will be thankful when the process is over. Um, but the, the kind of politics that Jesus calls us to engage in is so, so different. The kind of life he calls us to live is one that exemplifies love and grace and goodness and not all the ugliness. That's why we've talked in weeks past from Romans chapter 12 don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Know who you are, that you are loved by God, created by God. Know who God is, that he's in charge, that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so our trust isn't in politicians. Our trust isn't in uh, winning an election or getting the right people into Congress. I mean, those are, those are good goals, and there's nothing wrong with advocating for those and advocating for policies and voting for people. Those are good things. I'm, I'm going to be participating right alongside most of you. Um, 
But that's not where our confidence is. That's not where our allegiance, our ultimate allegiance lies. We, we looked um, earlier this year at the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, that's in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Luke um, shares many of the same teachings just in a different way. And in Luke chapter 6, we hear something uh, that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And so you'll hear, it might sound familiar to you, but then, you know, it sounds a little bit different. So I wanted to share Luke's take on these teachings. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, and I hope we're all willing to listen to our Savior and Lord today. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And then he gives some examples. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Now, we don't have time to dig into all of that. He's not saying, I don't think he's saying, just let people walk all over you and it doesn't matter that they did. I think he's telling people, no, demonstrate a different way of life. Someone, some Roman soldier comes and disrespectfully slaps you across the one cheek, don't run and hide. Don't make a fist and fight back. You stand there as a human being created in God's image and offer them to hit the other one. Peacefully resist the ugliness that they are demonstrating. Make it obvious to everyone, wow, this, this guy's got a confidence in it. Most people don't stand there in front of me when I slap them around. Let them see there's, there's a power within you that is different than most others. They demand your, your coat, which a Roman soldier could do in those days. Say, oh, you don't have enough clothes? Oh, I'm so sorry. Here, you need my shirt too, obviously. And, and just be overly generous, like ridiculously, satirically generous with them until it embarrasses them. They're like, oh, hey, no, hey, stop, stop. No, I'm fine. I don't, you know what? I don't need your coat. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. He's, he's calling them to live differently. Ultimately, there in verse 31, he says, do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. If you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. For Jesus, the, the politics of life in God's kingdom, it's not about retaliation, about uh, you hit me and I'll hit you back, right? He's just demonstrated that. It's not that kind of politics, which we see enough of that, right? You get ugly, I'm getting ugly. The way he wants us to live, the politics of life in God's kingdom, it's not about reciprocity. You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, you're good to me, I'll be good to you. And, uh, you know, you do me a favor and then I'll do you a favor. You know, we see enough of that too. He says it's not about that. The politics of life in God's kingdom is about grace. God has been good to me, so I will be good to you. God was kind to me when I was unthankful and wicked. And so I will be kind to you, even though you are unthankful and wicked. <laughs> you know, I will be compassionate, just as God has been compassionate to me. That's the grace of God. And when it transforms our hearts and lives, we are able to live in this world a different way that demonstrates to the world, wow, there's something different here. This, this person's not 
you know, dancing to the beat of the same, marching to the beat of the drummer, right? Anyway, they're not marching to the beat of the same drummer. They're not dancing to the same music we're all dancing to. They've got their own thing going here. And oh, when I asked them, they said it's because of Jesus. They said it's because God has been good to them. Maybe there's something to this whole thing. Now, I think you'll admit that's very different than the impression most people in our culture have of Christians today that most people in our culture have of followers of God today. Instead, sadly, we have demonstrated that we are willing to live the exact same politics as everyone else, and we're in it to win it, and we're, we don't care what that means for you. Uh, we are just pushing for our own agenda, and man, it would be a beautiful thing if we could escape that, if we could be willing to listen, as Jesus said, if we could demonstrate grace. Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And that's kind of like his kingdom being a different kind of kingdom. He says, our identity doesn't come from this world. Our, identity, our sense of who we are and, and who we're going to be, it doesn't come from this world. We don't let the world squeeze us into its mold. He prays, sanctify them by the truth. You know, make them holy. Set them apart. Let them be different by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And remember, Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. He was among us as one who loves even those who put him to death. He prayed for their forgiveness. My prayer for us is that we can demonstrate this kind of politics, this kind of love to the world that so desperately needs an alternative. They need to see it. They need to know it's possible. They need to see it lived out in us. A people who love, a people who serve, a people who demonstrate God's grace to the people around them. Let's bow our heads and let's, let's pray. God, we need your help. I need your help. If I'm going to be obedient to what I've just preached, if I'm going to be obedient to, to what I believe you are saying to us and calling us to do and to be, God, thank you for being kind to us, for being compassionate toward us. I mean, you, you didn't wait for us to get our act together before you sent your son Jesus to us. I mean, your word says it right there. It's while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. And each of us in our own lives, God, you were chasing us before we ever thought about you. You have pursued us because you love us and you long to see our lives transformed by your love and grace. So today, God, we admit to you that we so often get this wrong. So often we listen to the other voices and we follow the, the pattern set by, by the world and we don't follow the pattern set by our Lord and Savior Jesus. Today, God, would, would you help us to listen more closely to your voice than to all the other voices? And would you help us, God, as we, as we attempt to live this way, as we come face to face with opportunities to either demand our own way or to put others first? to either seek power over others or to, or to seek power under, a transforming kind of power of service and of love. God, as we face these opportunities, would you give us the courage to trust you, 
that you know what you're doing when you call us to this life, that this really does lead to the beautiful kingdom you created us to live in, the beautiful politics that you have called us to demonstrate. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for the transforming work, the empowering work of your Holy Spirit. We need it today, God, and we ask for it today so that this week we might not just live by our own energy or our own strength or our own ideas, but that we might be led and guided and empowered by you. Thank you, God. That in just a few minutes, we're going to get to celebrate this amazing love and grace that you've shown us in the sacrament of communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence among us, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, seeing played out here in the sacrament that a life that is lived sacrificially, yes, may include suffering and even death, but it doesn't end there. Lord, you raised Jesus from death, breaking the power of sin and death, demonstrating that your power is, in fact, stronger than all the other types of power that people try to demonstrate or try to wield. So help us, God, today to offer you ourselves. We pray that by your Spirit's work in our lives, we might be transformed, that we might live as the body of Christ, as your kids, God, sharing your love and your grace, your kindness and your compassion here in this world that we live in. Thank you, God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, if you are uh, participating from home and you haven't already gathered together bread or juice or communion elements, uh, you have a chance to do that now if you would like. Um, for all of us, this is a chance for us to, to prepare our hearts uh, for meeting Christ at his table. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was celebrating that meal with his disciples and he took bread and broke it and gave it to them. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. So let's take and eat the bread. After the meal, he took the cup. He gave it to them and he said, This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you for demonstrating for us the life we were created to live, a life of service, a life of love, a life that is kind even to the ungrateful and wicked, a life that is compassionate as our Heavenly Father has even been compassionate to us. You have shown us such amazing grace, God. 
Help us to reflect that grace now to the people around us, to reflect your love and kindness and compassion. Even, even in a heated election season, God, especially in this season, help us to live the different way that you taught and modeled for us. Again, God, we can only do this by the power of your Holy Spirit at work within us. So we ask that you would fill us with the Spirit of Christ, that we might live in this world as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, loved by you. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.